And I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. Thanks for listening. Just real quick, uh, for those of you who might be just joining us on this podcast, um, my name is D.L. Mayfield, and this is... Crispin Mayfield. And we are husband and wife, and this is what we do in our fun times, as we get in a closet and record a podcast about Adventures in Odyssey. For those who might not know, the title, The Prophetic Imagination Station, comes from a mashup between The Imagination Station and Odyssey and The Prophetic Imagination, a book by Walter Brueggemann. So that's where we're coming from. If you know those two things, then you'll probably like our podcast. Right, yeah. We have really appreciated all the engagement and feedback. Uh, We've been getting emails. Thank you guys so much for the encouragement. Um, A lot of episode requests, so we're working on that list. Um, Yeah, some, some feedback we've gotten consistently is that we are ruining Adventures in Odyssey for people. And that they've been surprised at how, you know, much this podcast makes them think. Which I was like, what did they expect? That we were just going to say how awesome just as honest it was? I don't know. It's been right. funny to me. Sorry for ruining it It's for been you. ruined for me because I grew up listening to it. Yeah, I didn't really look at it critically, but that's mostly what we've been doing here. So basically just ruining episode after episode. Although... Some of the parts that I remember really resonating with the kids still really resonate with me today. Like how we started with Isaac the Chivalrous, which kind of laid the groundwork for my pacifist theology. Yeah, and one other thing that we've really heard from people is they have been surprised at how much these episodes shaped their imagination and shaped their understanding of things. Like for me, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, I still have a hard time with it because of one episode of Adventures in Odyssey. And it's interesting, but it's also actually quite sobering to think how the theology we consume as children can really, really affect us. And it deserves a second look to go back and relook at it and see um, how it holds up to Jesus and to the Bible. Yeah. Makes me think a lot about what our six-year-old daughter is uh, consuming right now. I know. Sobering all around. Right. I'm really glad that she has the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's true. I feel like they're good. Shout out to the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is amazing. Yes. So should we go ahead and yeah. get started? Yeah, okay, let's do it. So we are, uh, we reviewed something that I did not grow up listening to. I maybe heard it once, but um, it wasn't like in the canon of what our family had at our house. And the canon <laughs> of the Mayfields. Canon of availability. Um... But I had heard it. It was in 1990. It's called Not One of Us, um, and one of our listeners suggested it, and um, it is about bigotry and discrimination. Wait, so wait, wait. I have a question. Okay. Okay. I know at some point, like, the guy who voiced Wit died. Is this, like, the original Wit or the next Wit? Yes, this is the original oh, okay. Wit. So because... 1990 is still original. Okay, okay. Yeah, because this is prior to the search for Wit, which was a whole uh, album, which was Basically, I think that's when he... I'm not sure if that was when they found a new voice actor or if that was, like, in the interim. Okay. But, okay. 
Yes, this is classic because Lucy is in it, and Lucy is one of the like beginning. Yeah, I don't know characters. who she is. So, I feel like we've come she across. She writes her. for newspaper. That's all we know in this episode. Right. So it starts off uh, with uh, Councilman. Um, I want to say Dexhart, but that's from Parks and Rec. Right. What is his name? I just said it earlier. Green. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. As weird. Councilman. Right. Um, so he, it starts out, he's resigning from city council because he said something racist, which, by the way, is the only time that that term is used in the whole episode. But wait, doesn't he say, I'm not a racist? Yes. Oh, okay. so he it's says, not like they say he is racist. Right. Um, although I think it does say that he was, he had to resign for racist comments. Someone says that okay. at the beginning. Against the Japanese? Yes, the okay. Japanese. Oh, well. Um, is the term that they right. use over and over. And so, um, basically, yeah, it has this video recording of, audio recording of him saying, uh, I'm not racist because I have friends from other ethnicities. I'd like to say again, I am not a racist. Some of my best friends are of foreign extinction, uh, extraction. And so that's like this little clip that we hear, and then they like turn it off, and there's no real, they don't really make any moral judgments about that, right? Right, yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously that's something that we know like people say and it's not a it's not a helpful thing to say. What? Um, I'm not racist because I have friends from other uh-huh. ethnicities, right, right, right. right? But it doesn't ex- make that explicit in the episode. Yeah. Um, although Councilman um, is kind of an evil character. He tries to get um, Tom's sh- Farm shut down at one point. Oh, I did not know this was a recurring to, character. Yes, he oh. tries to burn down Wits End at some point. Oh, that's so it's fascinating. Really okay. interesting though, because he's kind of like the the embodiment of big government sometimes. This councilman. Yes. Let's call him Councilman Jam. Right. That's also from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Um, so that's how it starts out. So Lucy um, is given a newspaper assignment to write about bigotry. Do you remember what the assignment is specifically to write about that? I don't know. I was like, I haven't heard this word bigotry in years, except maybe when I was like homeschooled and in like a young Republicans club. I don't know. I'm just having like weird memories of this word. But I was like, I don't even actually know what that word means. Like we use the word racism now. Right. But then suddenly bigotry became interchangeable with racism in this episode. As Chris Crispin mentioned, they only said racism in the beginning. And then it switched to be an episode all about bigotry. And I was like, I wonder why that is. I'm pretty sure there's a reason why. Yes, I totally agree. And so starts off um, that she goes, she's trying to write this this uh, article. How about- old do you think she is? I don't know. High school? I feel like in Odyssey, you never know how old anyone is. And it's just, they're supposed to be precocious and young and yet also like writing in a high school newspaper. Right. So it's very confusing. Lucy seems like a middle schooler to me. She's always seemed like a middle schooler. Oh, she always has. Right. I mean, she doesn't really like grow up. (laughs) She goes to Mr. Whitaker. She says, um, I was... Wanted to write about bigotry, so I thought I would go to Mr. Whitaker first, which Danielle thought. Oh, that's when I was laughing in the kitchen. I remember now. I was laughing really hard. Because she said, I want to write about bigotry, and you're the first person I thought to go talk to about it. Yes, Mr. Whitaker, and I thought you were the best place to start. Oh, yeah, he is. Except that's not what she meant. So Mr. Whitaker then says that... um, People look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. So uh, we shouldn't judge people uh, by the way they look. We should judge them by what's the on the inside. The content of their character, basically. You see, when I take a look at someone, I want to see the heart and the spirit. What a person is on the outside doesn't last. 
but on the inside, there's a soul that goes on forever. He's right. basically cribbing from MLK while also twisting it into a colorblind theology. Right. They didn't actually say that, but that's what they meant. This whole episode was very much about that. So should we like hit this play-by-play as we describe the episode? I'm sorry. No, I'm wondering if that's the best. I don't know. Because let's just address this ep- that. This episode is a real piece of work. Okay. Let's address what Mr. Whitaker. Let's, okay, let's talk it let's through it. as we go. Let's do it. So Mr. Whitaker basically is laying the groundwork for the idea that uh, people are more or less valuable based on how they act. Right? Yeah, and also that he's not racist. Nobody in Odyssey is obviously racist. Like the color of your skin doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a meritocracy. It's a meritocracy. He doesn't mention. He doesn't even mention skin color. Right? He Nobody just says, does. No. Nobody does. Not once in this episode about bigotry, and it's basically about Jim Crow laws at the end, and they don't talk about race. It's really bizarre. Right. And she says, "Mr. Whitaker, do you you know have any bigotry in your heart or something like that?" And he's like, "Well, I do, but I'm working on it. Or oh. I suppose so." We all have prejudices of some sort. Even you? Oh, I suppose so, but. I'm working on it. Yeah, okay, well, okay, so I actually went and looked up the definition of bigotry, and that's just, like, being intolerant towards somebody who has different beliefs than yourself. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally a bigot. Mm. Like, who isn't? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's such a weird word to use right. when they're actually talking about uh, racial injustice in America. Right, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and Mr. Whitaker, I mean, it, you could ex- extrapolate his argument into... Um, colorblindness, which is problematic um, because people will say things like it wasn't about that person's race or their color of the skin. Um, it was their behavior. They were acting this way. And um, and a lot of times that comes into cultural values. Um, and also it's, I mean, just, you know, of course it's used often to justify the death of people of color based on the, the other people's judgment, mm-hmm. not based on their inherent value as someone who is created and loved by God. Right. I mean, it's almost just too big to talk about on here. Right. So then she goes to Connie. And Connie, uh, I... I thought she talked to a few more people. Well, I mean, I think Connie was next. Okay, okay, sorry. So I'm not sure, but then she talks to Connie, um, and Connie uh, says this sort of like microaggression sort of borderline... I mean, it's more than a microaggression, but I feel like they're trying to make... Uh, an example of kind of what microaggressions are, because she says, I don't treat people different if their eyes look funny or if they have funny-shaped eyes. No. But then she's like, I mean, I didn't mean it. Da, da, da. And As they have different color skin or funny-shaped eyes or... <laughs> Did I say that? I didn't mean it. I meant eyes that are different from mine. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And so I think actually, like, that I think they were trying to show um, that just even if we try to not be racist, that we just take whiteness as a norm. So actually, I think that was something that they did well. That just level interaction was actually, I thought was good. Okay. Um, Then she goes and talks to Mr. Riley, Tom, Tom Riley. I love that you just call him Mr. Riley. (laughs) Like you're an eight-year-old who lives in Odyssey. Right. A middle (laughs) schooler who's writing for a high school paper. She goes and talks to Mr. Riley, and uh, he said, well, you know, there's no bigotry here. There's no discrimination in Odyssey. Now, I've been around Odyssey for most of my life, and I haven't seen a lot of bigotry. Folks here are pretty good about accepting people as they are. And Tom says, um, yeah, you know, I I visited this church, or I went to a church once where poor people had to sit outside. They weren't allowed inside. The church didn't let poor people in for the services. 
They had to sit on the grass outside the window and listen from there. Um, and then at the end, he kind of says, you know, and I was one of, I was one of the poor people that was discriminated against. I got grass stains on my trousers too. Um, and so then, this made me feel really sad. Like, it made me feel really sad, but also. That just really brought it to me, like, I do not think churches in America did that. They did not tell the poor people, you have to sit in the grass. But you know what churches in America did do? They said, oh, if you're black, you have to sit in the balcony. Or if you're black, you can't come in here at all, and you have to start your own denomination. Right. Like, that is what happened in America. We never actually said, poor people, you need to go sit in the grass. What we said was, if you're black, you are not allowed into the sanctuary. And so... I think that's what really stuck out to my mind, like this part and, and the rest of the episode too. It's like they tried and they tried to make a metaphor out of what actually happens in America, but they took the racial component out of it, which to me is just incredibly disrespectful to history mm-hmm. and to kids like myself. I did not grow up with an adequate, anywhere near adequate history of racial injustice in America. And so I think that kind of brought back some anger I have about that. Um, why wasn't I taught about all these things? And we can get into that more too, but... Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the examples are uh, throughout are um, of poor white people. Yeah. Okay, so... So, talks to Tom. Yeah. Um, and Tom makes it clear it wasn't an odyssey, it was somewhere else. And then goes and talks to Bart Rathbone. Uh-huh. And Bart says, yeah, I grew up in New York, and... Oh, um, first, Bart is like, this, what the city councilman said wasn't that bad, like, and it's too bad, basically, like... Fr- like, his free speech is being cut off. Maybe I'm making that up. But yeah, right, yeah. He, he said seen... it used to be, the, in the good old days, you could say whatever you wanted and people wouldn't get bent out of shape. It's a free country, ain't it? I mean, he was just being honest about his feelings. See, when I was growing up, we didn't have these problems. So he was a big, you know, free speech advocate. Big. He probably would have been a big guy. Uh... Is probably a Trump supporter. A big currently. Trump supporter. Right. Yeah. It's he's weird. He's also he's also a, a skeezy businessman. So, the, so. <laughs> and it's so funny. This was released in 1990, and basically every single thing he said is what people say about like Richard Spencer, you know, the alt right movement, the right. neo Nazi movement. Yeah, and he's like, uh, you know, there are parts of town I couldn't go to, and then there are parts of you know in my neighborhood other people weren't allowed. He said, kind of they, us, and them. Without naming any... You knew your place, and yeah. you were happy with that. There were certain parts of New York you just didn't go if you were of a certain persuasion, if you catch my drift. I didn't complain, and they didn't complain when we didn't like them in our part of town. Got it? Right. All the stuff that, unfortunately, we've probably all heard. Yes. Yeah, it's really it's really depressing to just hear it so and it doesn't blatantly. change. It doesn't yes. change. Right. And then he says, um, well, you know, if you want to learn about discrimination, you should go to Slauberg. Um, And Lucy's like, what's that? And then Lucy writes her article um, and goes back to her newspaper editor, um, this teacher. And the teacher says, "Um, you know, you did a great job, but you didn't get the perspective of anyone who's experienced discrimination. And at that point, that's when I was thinking, like, wait a minute. Are there any black people in Odyssey? Like, Are there any brown people? Are there any immigrants? Like... I guess I'm just assuming everybody's white, um, because and I, now I'm like, uh oh, am I a racist for assuming that, <laughs> or is that just the underlying assu- assumption of Odyssey is that white is the normal? Right. And I, so I don't know, Christian. Like, in your memory from other episodes, do they ever talk about somebody being black or somebody being 
you know, Latino or something. I don't know. Yeah, the only thing that I remember is East Winds Raining. Um, and so um, I forget the details exactly, but um, it's this Japanese-American man in town. Um, and basically it turns out, oh, his dad worked for the U.S., our, uh, the U.S. military. It's always so, connected to the military with Odyssey. Right. Speaking of, they did not address internment camps at all. They just talked about <sighs> Japanese Americans who actually were on the right side. So we shouldn't be prejudiced against them. But Oh, my god. So that's the really the only thing that comes to mind. So I'm just saying, like, when she was saying, like, you didn't interview anybody who's been discriminated against, I was like... Yeah, she she didn't interview any people of color, maybe because there's nobody in Odyssey. Right. Well, and it's just this consistent message throughout the episode that that there is no discrimination that happens in Odyssey. Right. Which because is across state lines, they say that like a hundred million times. Right. Yeah. Fortunately, the editor says, I mean, Lucy outright says that you know, there's no one that's been discriminated. There's no discrimination here. Yeah. And the editor says, I find that hard to believe. So that's good. Well, you know, it's funny. I was like, oh, because they never say what state Odyssey is in, but like discrimination happens right across the border, you know, not in our state. I was like, oh, I guess Odyssey must be in Oregon because everybody in Oregon thinks that no right, yeah, <laughs> racism so happens true. here. Right. <laughs> oh, so maybe Odyssey is in Oregon because they think nothing terrible happens there. Right, yeah. They're all Which, I know, so... it does. A lot of terrible stuff happens here. Yes. But ask any Portlander. Like, no, it could never. We're so progressive. So then she and Connie decide... To go and Connie, in, at some point in their conversation, mentions um, coal mining towns where um, around the turn of the century. Coal mining towns. I'm sick to death of coal mining towns. Right. Raise your hand if in 2017 we're talking about coal mining towns way too much still. Right. So basically, she gives this example of discrimination from earlier in the century, uh, poor white people. So. <sighs> Uh, that were not a discrimination exploitation, actually. So then they go, um, they go and uh, to Slauberg, uh, find it. They park their car. They go into the general store. The general store owner refuses to uh, sell anything to them because they are sitters. Sitters. Right. Which is city folk. He should have said city slickers. Right. It's kind of weird. Is that an actual? Have you ever heard that term? No. Is that a made-up term? Yeah. Because it, it makes no sense. Right. But Only, it's, like, a focus on the family person would be like, let's call city people sitters. Sitters. Well, it rhymes with another... Oh, no. I don't know if that is what... <gasps> like, I literally don't know if that was their intention oh to have, like, a thinly veiled... Oof. That kind of freaks me out, honestly. So, basically, he's like, we don't serve your kind here. And then they go out, and they have a parking ticket, mm-hmm. even though there are no signs. Uh, turns out that they got a... Well, then they go to City Hall to fight it yeah. and say, you know, why did we get this parking ticket? There are no signs. And she said, oh, didn't you know that sitters have to park around back because their their cars, you know, mess up the aesthetics of the town. We don't like their cars on the main street. They make the place look trashy. Yeah. And so then they and say... lots of language, like, didn't they say something like sitters are lazy or... You're all the same, dumb, lazy, and pretty sneaky if you're given a chance. So, um, well, that's like the county clerk that she's talking mm-hmm. to, right? Um, and the county clerk is nice, but, you know, says, yeah, you got to pay it. Um, and so, and then it turns out that they don't have any money, but they can't leave town. You leave town and we'll never see you or the money again. Um, so they have to be in jail either for a week um, if they can't 
if they can't pay or they can work it off at 60 cents an hour. They say, we want to talk to the mayor and complain. Turns out that the mayor is the general store manager who mm-hmm. they had a fight with an argument mm-hmm. with earlier. So he's like, yeah, you're stuck here. You're going to have to, you're going to have to scrub the floor in the jail for six hours, or you can spend a week in jail because you have no money and you're not allowed a phone call. Um, and you know, they say, Oh, this is America. Like I have my rights. And they're like, well, you're a sitter. So you're a second so, class yeah, citizen. So, like, so you don't have the same rights. So they, ex- they go on this little experience of having no civil rights. Basically. Right. I mean, it is literally Jim Crow. Yeah. Like, literally. But I guess they're all white, and so they turned it into, like, rural people versus city people, and the city people were the ones being discriminated against. Right. So Lucy gets this experience, and then somebody comes to bail them out, though. Somebody comes and pays their parking ticket for them, and that person is... Bart Rathbone. Rathbone. Hiya, girls. Is everything all right? He is an honorary citizen of Slauberg. Which is such a weird ending because he's kind of like, I thought I'd find you guys here, and for some reason they like me here, so I paid your parking ticket. And I was like, wait a minute. This would be really confusing for a kid because he says super racist stuff, and then it's kind of like a bad guy in Odyssey lore, but, you know, I guess in Odyssey, nobody's beyond redemption, which is good. That's a good theme to have. But now he's like, at the very end of the episode, he's like the hero, kind of, because he comes and saves them. Well, actually, I I think it's kind of a consistent theme because he says racist things and then he says oh they accept me here like I'm a part of this community I don't know why that is and it's like oh because you are discriminatory but right but he's like a lovable racist like he comes and saves them that's true that's where I was like oh I thought it was going to be Wit for sure I mean Wit always like saves the day so I was kind of surprised yeah it was Rodney but then that kind of made me feel weird like I wouldn't want my six year old daughter at the end to be like oh Mr. Rathman's so great you know which is like how it ends and that's like how it ends yeah and then um lucy meets with the editor at the end and she's like this is a great piece how could you explain being discriminated against and lucy says i couldn't explain it like you just had to experience it for yourself and this is the thought i had when i heard her say that i just thought to myself like literally there is nowhere in america that a white person can go to to have this like fake Jim Crow experience, right? And and that's what this episode is. It's like this almost like fantasy. Like, what if a white person experienced what African Americans did um, in the during the Jim Crow period? Which again, like I am homeschooled evangelical white. I I was not taught anything. Mm-hmm. I was barely taught civil rights. To be perfectly honest, I I learned about slavery and how. Um, you know, Christians ended slavery, right? Abolitionists, emancipation, mm-hmm. didn't really learn a lot about civil rights. And just the assumption was like, everything's great now. Um, later on, I learned a little bit more about civil rights. But now it's just like, what about everything else? Like, I've been learning a little bit about the Reconstruction period when more like freedmen, freed slaves, African-Americans were trying to take over more, um, you know, responsibilities and duties in these states and towns and city governments with the help of the federal government and how it totally failed because Christians, like Christians in the South rose up and they actually called themselves redeemers. They called the redemption period where they started these campaigns of racial terror, where they would lynch people, they would kill people, they would um, threaten um, people of color who tried to take office um, in these states. And I think they took over all but three states in the South, basically. And they called it the redemption era, like, because of Christianity. I certainly didn't learn that. I mean, that one, I mean, they're the ones who directly ushered in these Jim Crow laws. It was Christians. 
right. white Christians. And so while they were founding some of the major Christian denominations, by the way. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just incredible what what I as a white evangelical Christian, what is my history and what I was not taught. And so it's kind of interesting. Like maybe we do have this shame and guilt about it and, and this episode sort of stems out of that. Like I wish I could almost experience that, but we can't. But this episode is that. These girls get to, like, go to this town and be discriminated against, like, not due to race, because that doesn't exist anymore in America, apparently. Um, but I just, like, we can't. Like, we can't change the world to one where white supremacy isn't, like, the foundation of it, right? And so I just was kind of like, what is going on with this episode? What were the writers trying to do? It would have been so much better just to give kids a real history instead of taking all their history out of it, all of race out of it, right. and turning it into this very weird thing of like, well, anybody can be discriminated against and it feels sucky. Like, no, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not what kids need to learn. So I think this episode um, really did a good job of summarizing evangelicals' uh, feelings about racism, which is it exists, but not here, not with us, and uh, it's just as much against white people as it is or could be against white people as much as it could be anywhere else, which I think is why it's so dangerous because you introduce these ideas and concepts and did a good job of of explaining how discrimination uh, and racism works, and then you don't actually speak the full truth of what it means for us in this country, which I think is what is so dangerous and really gives uh, our kids that listen to this or us as kids this idea that we understand something that we don't actually understand. Yeah, because Odyssey, like these, these episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, it's not like they are outright terrible, but they... They, I feel like they're spinning history into something that, you're right, I think it makes it more dangerous. And I just feel like I'm 33 years old, and I still have so much to learn. And that's on purpose. Like, things are left out of my education on purpose. And I don't really know what to do about that, except to try and change that, and change that with our own kids. I mean, and this is, again, not just an evangelical problem. Like, our daughter, right. her school's super diverse, but for MLK Day, they colored, like, this booklet about Martin Luther King, where it was basically, what did it say, like... Well, we asked her, like, what what, what was going on then? Like, yeah, what did MLK do? What was it like back then? Because she's like, MLK is my teacher's hero, which is cool. Like, that's great that she knows that. She's six and knows that. But what did she say? She said... She said, the problem was that white people and black people weren't getting along. Yeah, and we were like, no, 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 no. That's right. not what it was. And I think they actually said that in one of her little coloring worksheets. Yeah, right. But we were like, no, white people actively oppressed and discriminated against black people. And Martin Luther King Jr. fought to say, no, that's not right and that's not true. That's not what we told her. We told her... We didn't say actively oppressed. We said, so white people (laughs) were actually being really mean to black people. People with black and brown skin. And Martin Luther King, Dr. King, thought that was not good and that is not what God wanted. So we talked about it like that. Okay, six real talk. Right. Actively oppressed... I'm sure she's heard me say that like a million times anyways. Right. But anyways, like just like little things like that, not really letting it slide in that. Oh, we just we just don't get along. We just have bigotry. Like, no, like America has a really intense history of Christians in particular. It's not just Christians. But Christians are such an active part of creating, first of all, environments of terror and then also legislation that denied African-Americans, their rights. 
And I, I mean, these strands go back to the 1800s up till today, where we still see this happening with even voting laws and voter ID laws, just trying to keep more people out. All that to say, I think these episodes do impact us more than we'd like to believe. It's It, it takes history out of the equation, which is not great. Yeah, it was just really discouraging. I just felt really discouraged. Yeah, and I, I asked the question on Twitter, like, oh, does Adventures Honesty talk about race? And I, I get the sense that they don't really, so we probably won't be talking about this again. So we're getting it all out on this episode. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other one is the Underground Railroad they talk about. We're trying to. I don't want to listen to that for a while. Yeah. I'm not ready. Not ready to listen to that. Right. And that is one episode out of, I mean, we're talking about putting a twist on history. We haven't even listened to any of the, like, narrative history ones yet. I'm so excited. These are really excited. I I just made it, you know, I rolled my eyes when I said that. I'm not excited, guys. I remember being in fifth grade and Uh listening to an Adventures in Odyssey episode about the Revolutionary War. And, of course, it follows this boy. And he lies to the soldiers. And I remember thinking, like, he lied. Like, how is that okay? Like, that is a sin. such a little fundy, which is so cute. Is it, was it fundamentalist or was it not nationalist? I think those can go hand in hand sometimes. I don't know. But instead of listening to these Adventures in Odyssey things, I want to just watch Making History on Fox. Mm-hmm. That's our new favorite show, guys. That is a way better twist on history. <laughs> <laughs> than the Adventures in Odyssey twist. Yes. Okay, well, thanks for listening, y'all. We did pick another intense one to talk about. There's a funny one we should listen to. I'm all ears. Hit, hit us up on Twitter about that. Um, thanks for listening. Share it with all um, the famous people you know that listen to Adventures in Odyssey to help them fall asleep at night. There's got to be people out there. Right. Don't you think? Yeah, I just talked to someone this week that said that they listen to it at night sometimes to fall asleep. Except now we've ruined it for them. No, another person. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of us. Gosh, dude, there should be a name for you guys. Like, who are those people that love My Little Ponies? Bronies. Bronies. Right. What can we call Adventures in Odyssey people? I don't know. Hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think a good term would be. Because we'll come up with something terrible. For Adventures in Odyssey. We're not good on our feet like that. No. So why are we doing a podcast? I don't know. Anyways, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.